0: It's a pleasure to be here today. Fountain, God bless you and good morning. We're in a series of teaching on the resurrection. And this morning, I want to continue that series, teaching from 1 Corinthians 15, verses 30 through 34. And as you find that passage in your Bible or on your electronic device, I want to take a moment, just give God praise for this this opportunity and And thank Pastor for entrusting me for this occasion to share a word from the Lord. May God always bless him, bless his wife, bless his family, and bless this ministry. I want to recognize Pastor Taylor and Pastor Jenny, the ministers, deacons, deaconesses, and all the ministry leaders for their hard work, love, and support. And may God bless each of you and always enrich your life daily with his grace. Last but not least, I want to thank my wife for her prayers and steadfast support. Well, I'm trusting you found the passage of scripture by now, and I will be reading from the NIV translation, the 2011 edition. And the word of the Lord reads, and as for us, Why do we endanger ourselves every hour? I face death every day. Your translation coming up may say, I die every day. Yes, just as surely as I boast about you in Christ Jesus our Lord. If I fought wild beasts in Ephesus with no more than human hopes, what have I gained? If the dead are not raised, let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Come back to your senses as you ought and stop sinning. For there are some who are ignorant of God. I say this to your shame. I title my message today, What's Your Motive? What's Your Motive? Let us pray. Father, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my rock and redeemer. May your words go forth and pierce the hearts of your people and take root and bear fruit, O God, that their lives, O Father, may be edified. Bless the shepherd of this house. And it's going in and is coming out and it's laying down and is rising up all the days of his life. May he and his family never be in lack nor need. And we give you the glory in Jesus name. Amen. There's a movie called Pastor Brown that I recently saw on the broadcasting network Lifetime. I wanted to show a short video from the clip on a particular scene that centered around motives. Unfortunately, the movie was not on DVD or I couldn't find it online, and I couldn't even get it off of YouTube on this particular scene. Nevertheless, nevertheless the movie is about a pastor who started a church that grew into a, a mega church. He had two daughters, and one of his daughters was starred by Sally Richardson Whitfield and the other by Nicole Ari Parker, both whom he loved dearly. One of his daughters, the one that was started by, starred by Sally Richardson Whitfield, she had moved to New York and had become an exotic dancer, or in layman's terms, a stripper. The other daughter stayed with the father, and, and she worked in the ministry. In the movie, the, the, the father had a massive heart attack. And knowing that his days were most probably short, he called a meeting with the key church leaders at his bedside. And in this meeting, he advised the church leaders that his desire was for his eldest daughter to become the pastor of the church in his departure. He explained that his eldest daughter had a degree in theology. He said that she had a good heart and that she was more than capable of being the pastor of the church. That was his decision, and it was final. Well, the younger sister did not want to confront her father nor disrespect his decision by displaying her disapproval. However, there's a scene in the movie, the one I want to show, she did confront her sister. She reminded her sister of the life that she had lived. How she left her son and and, and, and left him for her and her parents to, to raise. How she did not stay in touch with the family as often as she should have. And she didn't even show up for her mother's funeral. So the question was, why are you here now? Why, why are you trying to honor your father's wishes? What's your motive? Motive is defined online in dictionary.com as something that causes a person to act in a certain way or to do a certain thing. It is also defined as the goal or object of a person's actions. In layman's terms, why you do what you do. When in this text, verse 30, we find Apostle Paul stating, making a statement, and for us. Why do we endanger ourselves every hour? The Apostle Paul is revealing the motive of his heart. He's telling the church current that the resurrection is the reason why he does what he does. He's responding to the question. He's responding to the doubt and the disbelief of those within the church, to those who are saying there is no resurrection. And this is for your first growth group question. Our motivations should stand up to questioning. Our motivations should stand up to questioning. Most of us are familiar with the previous life of the Apostle Paul. He was a persecutor of the church. He testified that he was advancing in Judaism beyond many of his age. He was from the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews. He testified that he was trained up by a Pharisee named Gamaliel, who was a well-respected and honored teacher of the law. But after encountering Jesus on the road of Damascus, he counted all this as rubbish, and he realized nothing matters but what you do for Jesus. He testified that he saw the Lord with his own eyes. And because of the resurrection, he's willing to endanger himself every hour. He gave up Judaism. He gave up the traditions of his father. He came to the realization, the only thing that matters is what you do for Jesus. My question for you today, Fountain, what's your motive? What motivates you? Can your motivation stand up to questioning? Why do you go to church every Sunday? Why do you give so much money to that church? Why do you spend so much time doing stuff for that church? Why do you pray? Why are you on a prayer call every night for five minutes? Why are you always talking about God and what he's doing? Why do you stop drinking? Why don't you hang out with us anymore? That's what the world is going to ask you. Do you really believe all that stuff? What's your motive? Listen, saints of God, when you, are a, when you are a faithful Christian, the world will notice something unique and different about you. Men will ask question: why do you do what you do? Can your motivations, my brothers and sisters, stand up to the questioning of the world? If we expound on this text, and for us, why do we endanger ourselves every hour? Well, prior to Christianity becoming the state religion of Rome, uh, during the reign of the Roman Emperor Constantine, it was categorized. It was viewed as with distrust and as superstition. See, the Romans had many religious practices, and no, those religious practices that did not encourage sedition, mean causing trouble or, or treason, or did not weaken morality, was accepted. By the Roman Empire. They viewed religion as a social activity that promoted unity and loyalty to the state. However, them Christians, that was viewed differently. They were categorized as superstition. Uh, that word superstition meant something foreign and something different. They're not like us, they, they didn't associate with the local religions uh, practicing in the pagan practices. Matter of fact, there was a governor uh, about 110 A.D. named Plino. He said they have gone to extravagant length. They've gone overboard. They couldn't accept any religion that called their leader Lord and Savior in lieu of Caesar. They couldn't relate to a people uh, who said this bread represents his body and this wine represents his blood. They couldn't relate to a people who said their leader was crucified and raised again. They were looked upon as cannibals. That's truth now. And a threat to the welfare of Rome. This, This distrust led to persecution. Led to even death. And it led to the questioning of the Christian. But because of the resurrection... The Apostle Paul said, I'm willing to face the dangers every hour. We move on to verse 31. Not only was he willing to face the dangers every hour, he said, I face death every hour. Yes, just as surely as I boast about you in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Now, I told you, that one translation said, I die every day. And we're going to deal with both of those. Expounding on the first translation, the Apostle Paul had to face death from the Jews on one front who was trying to kill him for teaching something that was contrary to how they uh, uh, believed Judaism and the tradition of their fathers. And he was facing the Romans on another front who thought what he was teaching was a threat to the welfare of Rome. But nevertheless, the Apostles preached Jesus crucified and resurrected. His drive, his motive was greater than any danger that he faced every day. If we look at that second translation, what that means is he was willing to die to self and to live for Christ. That's our second point. Dying to death is a superior method. Dying to self is to walk according to the spirit and not according to the flesh. Dying to self is to walk by faith and not by sight. Dying to self is to choose the ways of God, whatever the consequences may be, even if it's death. Dying to self is a superior method. Proverbs 14 and Proverbs 16 says, there's a way that appears to be right. But in the end, it leads to death. But Christ said, though you die, you will live. The question is, whose report you going to believe? I found an article written online by a Methodist preacher, G.D. Watson, born in the 1800s. He said, the deepest death to self lies in the motives and the intentions of the heart. See, what you believe in is heart, what your motives are, is going to determine What you do. He went on to say that this all consuming motive to want to be nothing but a capacity for Christ to live in us lies in the foundation of the death of the self. We must die to the flesh in order to live for Christ. The Apostle Paul made a decision that he would die daily in the face of death, he would preach the gospel until he breathed his last. It was his motive. It was his reason for willing to lay his life on the line. This leads to my third point. If God raised Jesus from the dead, if you truly believe that, then lay it all on the line. Don't hold back. Look at verse 32. Paul said, If I fought wild beasts in Ephesus with no more than human hope, what have I gained if the dead, or not raised. Let us eat and drink for tomorrow we die. So he chose to die to self. He chose to lay it all on the line. He understood that dying to self was the superior method. And because of his refusal to stop preaching the gospel in the face of death, he found himself fighting wild beasts. Christians during that time was Placed in the arenas, there was placed in the Colosseum, there was placed in the, the amphitheater to fight lions and to fight tigers, but because of their faith, but because they knew Christ lived, they had no fear of death. We examine the text further. He stated his motive was not based on human hopes. In other words, what can man do for him or what he can gain in his life? But this motive was based on the resurrection and the power of God because he knew the best was yet to come. He was living for the age to come. He was planting seeds that would bear fruit in eternal life. He was saying in this verse, if there is no resurrection, what good is it? You eat, you drink, and tomorrow you die. But Jesus is alive. And because of the resurrection... He will live again. You will live again. You must believe You must believe in your, your, in your heart that Jesus is alive. Don't walk around with fear in your heart. Don't walk around uh, uh, afraid to die. Don't walk around what people can do to you. That's a better hope. That's a future. He was willing to fight those wild beasts. He didn't have no fear. He believed and he understood the promises of God. His motives was pure. He was willing to lay it all on the line. Uh, one of my favorite passages I drew for this text here come from the book of Acts 21 to kind of expound on the Apostle Paul and the type of character that he had and the type of heart that he had. He was on his way to Jerusalem. And that was a prophet by the name of Agabus came down from, I believe, Judea and took his belt, tied up his hand and tied up his feet. He said, now, when you get to Jerusalem... This is what the Jews are gonna do to you. And then they're gonna turn you over to the Gentile. And the people begin to weep and to plead and beg you not to go to Jerusalem. But the apostle said, Don't be crying. He said, I'm not only ready to be bound, but I'm ready to die in Jerusalem for the name of my Lord Jesus Christ. He was willing to go all the way, knowing the prophet had told him, you're going to die in Jerusalem. You said where Ray that was then? But that same type of confidence in the Lord that he was alive was passed down through the men and women of Asia and lives today. Somebody we can relate to in the 1960s by the name of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. He was a man who was willing to lay it all on the line. In one of his famous speeches, I've been to the mountaintop, he wrote in regard to the danger he faced. And I quote, when I don't know what would happen now, we got some difficult days ahead. But it doesn't matter with me now because I've been to the mountaintop. And I don't mind like anybody. I would like to live a long life. Longevity has its place. But I'm not concerned about that now. I just want to do God's will. He has allowed me to go to the mountain. And I've looked over and I've seen the promised land. I may not get there with you, but I want you to know tonight that we as a people will get to the promised land. Then he end, his speech, my eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. He was willing to lay it all on the line. Because he knew whom he served. He knew who walked with him. He knew who comforted him in the midnight hour. He was willing to lay it all on the line. The apostle Paul and Dr. Martin the king, they laid it on the line to their death. You know the story of both of them. The king was assassinated. The apostle Paul was beheaded by the Roman Emperor Nero. And I'm not advocating Anybody here to put themselves in harm's way, that's maybe not your call. Most probably, it is not your call. But Colossians 3.23 says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord and not human. So if you are a school teacher, lay it all on the line. If you are a minister, lay it all on the line. If you are a janitor, lay it all on the line. If you work the yard, you a landscape, lay it all on the line. Whatever you do for the Lord, lay it all on the line. Give him your best. Don't have step. Part of a small group. Lay it on the line. Be there. You on a prayer line? Lay it on the line. Call in. Whatever you do, lay it on the line. Let me move towards closing in this final verse. It says, do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Come back to your senses as you ought and stop sinning. For there are some of us who are ignorant of God and I say this to your shame. And this is for your growth group question. Do not waste the grace of God on poor choices. I'm going to say that one more time. Somebody missed that. Do not waste the grace of God on poor choices. What is Paul saying? He said, number one is, don't believe the lies of those who are saying there's no resurrection. And number two, he's saying, just what it said, said, stop sinning. See, during the years of of, of the Apostle Paul, Corinth was a very prosperous city. It was situated between two large bottles of water and two land areas. It became a crossroad for both land and sea trade. It was much diversified in wealth and culture and different nationalities. It was like a New York City. However, it was plagued with sin. It was the Las Vegas of the first century. Prostitution was an accepted practice of the society. Uh, In my studies, I read that over 1,000 cult prostitutes sold themselves in the name of religion. There was a Greek proverb that says that it is not every man who can afford to journey to Corinth. And everyone, everyone wanted to go because of their wickedness. The church of Corinth was surrounded by the temptations of this thriving city. If you read the letter to its entirety, you'll better understand some of the, the issues of sin that the Apostle Paul was dealing with. But he was incurring the church to their shame, not to their condemnation. He said, to your shame, not to waste the grace of God on poor choices. In my closing, considering the topic motives and making the right choices, and to gain a clear understanding. Let me take you back to the movie, Pastor Brown. In this ending, the daughter who played was played by Sally Richardson Whitfield, who was once a stripper, she had received the support from the church board. They voted her and said, yeah, we, we in. And she had to go before the congregation her the assistant pastor and, and deliver a word. And, and the way the move was going, I was led to believe that she was most likely to get the vote from the congregation. However, she removed herself from the selection process, and she endorsed the assistant pastor who had been with the senior pastor for over 30 years and was like a son to him. And she remembered when her father, before he departed, when he offered her uh, uh, to take this opportunity, he told her not to try and fill his shoes, but to find her own shoes and fill them. So my evaluation of the movie at the end is she came to the conclusion that the purpose of her father for recommending her pastor was to bring her home out of a life of sin so that she can reconnect with her family, so that she can, she can be a mother to her son, and that she will find her shoes and that she would fill them. She made a decision that she will no longer waste the grace of God On poor choices anymore. She made a decision that she would die to self. She would die to all her fears. She would die to all her pains. She would die to all her hurt. She would submit herself unto the Lord. She endured the question throughout the the movie because she knew that her motives were pure. All she ever wanted to be was to be loved. And she came to a realization that God loved her no matter what. She learned that she must, rec- she must, she learned that she had to, to learn to receive his love and to love others as he did. The Apostle Paul in this text is reassuring the church of Corinth that Jesus is alive, that they don't have to fear all this stuff that they're hearing. And for us today, as the man of God was saying here, all this killing we've seen, all this bomb explosion, all these earthquakes, all this foolishness. We don't have to fear because we serve a living Jesus. And he said, because I live, you will live. His motives were pure. And in so many words, he was telling the church to find your shoes and fill them. So my final question to you is what's your motive? Have you found your shoes? Are you walking in your shoes? Have you found that place of peace and rest in Christ? Are you in a true, right relationship with your Lord? If that be you and you say, Lord, I'm tired, and you're willing to say, Lord, I surrender, then you come. Doors open. So counselor come, you come. If you're on the right path and you just need your strength to fight on, cause we all get beat down sometimes. I I can tell you I felt like giving up